everyone. I want to welcome you back to the Dairy Science Digest. This is the July edition, and this month we're going to connect with Gustavo Schinemann from Ohio State University. And he's going to tell us a little bit about how we can work in and through our transition dairy cow ration by feeding anionic salts and strategically placing our vaccinations to not only improve the IgG concentration, but also zooming in on how the timing of those vaccinations can impact the effectiveness of your anionic ration in preventing milk fever. And his article was titled, The Effects of Prepartum Vaccination Timing Relative to Pin Change with our Acigenic Diet on Serum and Colostrum Immunoglobulins in Holstein Dairy Cows. And really what, what that's focused in on is when we're feeding the anionic salt diet, how can we vaccinate relative to that pin change to be the most effective? And this is currently in press for the Journal of Dairy Science. And we're going to talk a little bit with you. Can you introduce yourself to our audience, sir? Yes, uh, Regan. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is uh, Gustavo Schunemann. I'm a faculty at the College of Veterinary Medicine. And, uh, and I have a split appointment. I do 65% extension and 35% teaching and, and, and research. So this is one of our field, you know, identifying needs and uh, that we have, you know, trying to address in a practical way. It's just, you know, the number of producers, they do vaccinate cows. And then this is more to see the interaction between the vaccine, the diet, and the management, right? That that happen in, in any farm. And then we, we know that the vaccines, they do work, right? But there might be some noise that come, you know, from that interaction, either from what the cows are eating and what the management is, right? And I remember that this is everything we do pre is everything is re relative to calving day. Those cows, they just, they don't read the book. They don't exactly calve exactly when you want them to. And so there's some nuances there. You were vaccinating. What, tell us a little bit about the vaccine that, that you used in this Colorado herd. Usually, you have two major vaccine groups that we do, right, in, in prepartum cows. So there is one vaccine that is for diarrhea, you know, to prevent diarrhea and, and baby calf. And, um, and then there is another vaccine is to, you know, help with the mastitis, right? You know, a little bit of, you know, with, especially with the clinical cases uh, of mastitis. So those are the two major groups, right? Uh, and remember this, you know, we, you vaccinate cows, uh, dry off, then you vaccinate cows a number of days, usually three, four weeks before Calvin, like a booster. And we hope that that immunity, which is the, you know, uh, immunoglobulins, right, will transfer from blood, right, all the way to the mammary gland, right? I think a farmer adjusted very, 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 just a simple thing that will have a major impact, especially in IgG inside the mammary gland. You need to have that response inside, mm -hmm. and that is an active process. What that mean? It requires calcium and energy. Mm -hmm. If you do too short, what happened, Regan, is you don't get that effect, right? You have the IgG in blood, but in blood doesn't do anything yeah, to the cow. Right. You need to have it inside the mammary gland for colostrum, uh -huh. and then to control mastitis. Right, right. How this interaction work, right? The vaccine, the diet, right? And our management, right? How it works that we may or may not get it. And that might not be nothing related to the vaccine itself. It's just how things, you know, a biological 
you know, unit like a cow works, right, in, in our environment. Our management techniques definitely work in the system. She is a complicated system. And so our ability to, to manage that system controls the interactions and the effectiveness of that vaccine, for sure. It does. And, and remember that, you know, we don't manage any more individual. Precision technology may allow us to do it. And I think it comes that way. And, uh, but in general, when you, you know, you have, you get a group of cows and that cow has a, a number of, you know, uh, there, there is variation there. And I usually say that, you know, the daily business is the art of controlling variation and managing risk. Okay, here is an example, right? But I'm gonna highlight, you know, you have now the, you know, the dry off, usually assume that it's 60 days prior to calving, right? You know, dry off cows here about 60 days prior to calving. Some farm may have a little shorter. And then we do everything based on this date, expecting calving day. That's what most farms do. So we move cows based on that once a week, start you know, doing all your, your grouping there. Could you zoom in a little bit on the actual vaccination side of things for that dry period? So what we do is we do two shots usually, right? When it comes to these vaccine, the two vaccines. So we, in this experiment, we test the mastitis vaccine, the J5, right? And we use the scour guard that is for pre to prevent diarrhea in, in baby calves, right? So these two vaccines are, you know, may, many farms use it, right? And usually the typical approach is you do one shot when you dry the cows off, and then you repeat that at the time when we move cows to the anionic diet, right? If you label the vaccine for each one of these, they require 30 days prior to calving. Right? So the label would say that we need to vaccinate a week earlier than what we do. But, but under farm condition for compliance and for a number of things and to prevent you know, all these you know, things, sometimes we do together things, right? And uh, okay, that comes you know, with a price tag, you know, sometimes. Mm -hmm. So we had uh, three different groups in your project and around 300 cows participated fairly equally in groups and you looked at vaccinating on day 28 prior or day 21 prior and that and then there was a relationship of, of pin movement so we had a vaccination at 28 days and a pin change at 21 or vaccinate at 28 and a pin change at 28 vaccinate at 21 and a pin change at 21 looking at those three different types and what impacts did you see this is what we did at Regan we end up having three groups Right, we have a 21 day, right? You know, we vaccinated and moved the cow. Then we have another group that we vaccinated and, and, and moved to the anionic diet on day 28. Well, those cows stay longer in anionic diet, right? And then we have another group that we only vaccinate, they stay in the far off pen, and they were moved on day 21 to the anionic diet. Right. Mm -hmm. This is the most that we could do under, you know, field condition. These three groups. What impacts did you see? Yeah, that, that is an excellent question, Regan, because we were doing a number of experiments. So we, this is the rationale why we did this vaccine trial. Love it. Right. So what we notice under farm condition is that there, is, there are cows, the majority of cows, they are very consistent, right? So the prepartum pain, and then we start looking at the response to this vaccine treatment. And what we realized with that, 
Reagan, it was there. This is what happened in every single, you know, farm. Every single farm that you saw an issue with through your assessments, right? Right. We do dry off cows based on, on days carry calf. According to Calvin date, right, we should not be vaccinated, you know, three weeks prior to Calvin because this is when the cow is immunocompromised, right? The cow will not respond very well to, to, to the vaccine. Right. So what happened with this is we just do it at the time when we move, you know, in general, when we move to the anionic diet. Right. You dry the cow off, then the cow goes to the decal diet. What happened there is the variation in Calvin day. They, you know, the variation and that variation is, is, is normal. So there are a cow with short gestation length, the medium gestation length or the long gestation length. Right. So, cow, so what happened is if I do one shot, right, on day 21 prior to Calvin, based on expecting Calvin day, 50% of my cows will be vaccinated with at least 21 days. Mm-hmm. And the other 50% will be vaccinated anywhere, anywhere between 21 to seven days prior to Calvin. That's the mark. And that is, is the issue, right? It's those cows that we don't know is in the red that we don't know, right, why they do that. It's important for farmers to understand that. One of the groups that I really want farmers to pay attention is when your veterinarian diagnosed, you know, do the pre-check and they say, this cow has a twin, mm, right? it's a twin pregnancy. Okay, do this. Move your cows to the anionic diet at least seven days prior to calving. You, you, because the cow are gonna have short gestation length. They are gonna fall in the red group. So now you can do something very practical on the farm, move a week earlier. Mm-hmm. You know that, and you may have, I don't know, 4% of twin, some farm has a little higher, like 8%, right? Right. right? There is a number of things that we measure, especially biological market, but I just go to what is relevant at the farm level, mm-hmm. right? So here is the reality. When you look at the, the, you know, the interval vaccination to Calvin, right? Here is the group. This is the 21, you know, when we vaccinated on day 21 prior to Calvin, and then we move it to prior to Calvin. So most cows do have shorter, you know, Calvin interval. When we vaccinated on 28, whether or not we move it, they do have longer, you know, stay. So we were more likely so this is the predicted probability that the cow were vaccinated and they do have at least 20 days prior to Calvin because we knew Calvin. Because that window, that window is so critically important on um, making sure that she's not immunocompromised. It's not immunocompromised. So we want to be out of that yellow window, if you remember. So when you vaccinate a week earlier, Right? Because that requires logistic, but I think it is relevant to do this. It, it really matters. Yeah, I think, you know, transition cow management is all about the details, right? Simplicity matters at the farm level, but I think this is very crucial to do it, right? So and these details are doable. They're totally possible for, for the producer to, to grasp upon and, and just move their cows differently, vaccinate their cows differently to get that greater response. So I totally understand the immunocompromised, but why exactly are we seeing such a big response? I'm going to explain here what happened, why the interaction, you know, between the anionic diet and the vaccine, right? Remember, 
when you feed an ionic diet, what you are doing is stimulating the parathyroid gland, right, the parathyroid to release the parathyroid hormone, and that hormone triggers a cascade of events, right, to increase that absorption of calcium, right, at the intestine level, and then at the bone level has a resorption process going on there. So the anionic diet, in a way, is stimulating the parathyroid gland. When we vaccinate cows, the vaccine causes inflammation, a little bit of inflammation, right? So that inflammation also interacts in the parathyroid receptor. It's the same receptor, right? So what happened is the anionic diet is trying to stimulate the parathyroid, but the vaccine is inhibiting. It's blocking it. It's blocking yeah. it. And that process goes for about eight days, Yes. right? It's a long lasting. So the frustration for producer Regan in a practical way is they see the, the urine pH in cow is perfect, mm -hmm. but they still have hypocalcemia. That interaction will cause the issue, right? right? And the shorter the Calvin interval is, right? Remember that red, you know, cows that have been vaccinated with less than 20 days, right? So it's even worse for the cow, right? right. So what we know is, when we vaccinate seven days prior to moving to the anionic diet, most of the cows, at least, you know, 88 or 86%, they do have at least 20 days. But when you vaccinate on 21 and move on 21, because you don't know Calvin Day, you are going to get only 40, 40, 50%, half of the cow, right? The problem is with the other half, the cows that are Calvin shorter, right? So what we observe in this, is, this is vaccination relative to cow, right? And this is IgG concentration in, in colostrum, right? Remember, you vaccinate the cow, that increase IgG concentration in blood, and now in blood doesn't do anything. You know, we need to have that immunity transferred to the mammary. Right, right. But what we know in practical things, the longer the vaccination, especially like these two groups, the higher the concentration of IgG in colostrum. And colostrum's what you're really looking for, because if it's higher in the blood, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's penetrated. It, into it won't help you. It won't help the, right. the baby calf or mastitis. Right. Right? Mastitis is an infection inside the mammary gland. So what, what happened here is, you know, when we did this experiment, we noticed that the cows, you know, they vaccinated on day 28 and moved on anionic diet on 21, right? They were vaccinated seven days earlier. earlier. Mm -hmm. They have greater concentration of glucose and more calcium and more calcium compared to the cows, the group, right? So now I, because I, I, this is important to understand. You now have more glucose energy, energy. and you have more calcium, mm -hmm. you know, in cows, are calvin, right? Perfect. And then there was a reduction, right? Right. It has, like, for example, the cows that were vaccinated seven days prior to Calvin, it also, they have about 20% more IgG in colostrum, right? They have more IgG in colostrum, and then they tend to reduce clinical mastitis. We measure clinical mastitis for 150 days, clinical cases, right? So what happened is this, when we vaccinate cows, you increase the IgG concentration in blood. There is no question whether this cow is 21 day prior to Calvin or 28. Mm -hmm. The difference now is how 
the IgG are transferred inside the mammary gland. That is an active process. What that mean? I need calcium and I need glucose to be able to transfer inside the mammary gland. Now you have for your calostrum quality that will prevent, you know, diarrhea and baby cat, right? And also to control mastitis in cows, right? To control mastitis in cows. And, and this is what we observe. When we vaccinate seven days prior, like on day 28, and then we move cows on day 21, that was the highest response. Right, because right? you've got the, the glucose to help you actively bring that into the mammary gland. Into the mammary Fascinating. Because, yeah, no matter what you vaccinate, yeah, you do have IgG in blood, mm -hmm. but that doesn't do anything for our, you know, for what we wanted. That is, we want to control diarrhea and mastitis, mm -hmm. right? So if you really want to get the maximum benefit on this vaccine program, I guess, uh, Regan, you know, the, the kind of the take home message here, it, it is worthwhile to vaccinate the cows a day, seven days earlier mm -hmm. than when you start feeding an ionic diet. Then you split that negative interaction between what the vaccine is doing. Remember, you vaccinate and you get inflammation for about eight days, seven, right. eight days. Right. So you avoid the interaction with the, the anionic diet in the parathyroid gland. And that you control, directly you control calcium level in cows that is needed for transfer of IgG inside the mammary gland. Sure. And then you have more glucose at Calvin in those cows, right? This is the, the bottom message. So a split defect, vaccinate your cow seven days prior to an ionic diet exposure, assuming you're using 21 days, you know, um, feeding an ionic close-up ration. Well, mm -hmm. it sounds like it might be a little bit of extra work as far as grouping your, your cattle that week prior for the vaccination process, but but man, the response, it sounds like, is is profound. I had no idea about the parathyroid side of things. That's really, and the glucose and how it brings it in, That that is awesome. Um, I just, the cow is so awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, it is very interesting, and I think the way that we thought about that, Regan, is, you know, when you start, you know, trying to figure out why and you don't find explanation, then you read more and that reading takes you to more. Yeah. And then when you, you know, anionic diet in a way for you to think is, is, is so we, we you start getting because, uh, you know, how the vaccine work and how the anionic diet works. Sure. And what are the common things that they have? And that was that receptor in the parathyroid. Wow. The vaccine will do the negative things, mm -hmm. right? Because of inflammation. The parathyroid is trying to stimulate and the frustration for producers is sometimes they see, hey, how can that be? We, our pH, your pH are perfect. Yeah, and they are absolutely right. right. So it's just that interaction. And I think, Rian, we will see more and more the interaction between the cow, the diet, people, right? We will see more because we have a lot of technology that we know under control condition work. Now we need to figure out why mm -hmm. some of that is not working under field condition. Right. And we need to figure out that interaction, what it is. So this is one example of that. Something that we learned from this, Regan, that I, I think is very important for, for producers to know, if for some reason they forget the booster, mm -hmm. right, they do vaccinate a dry off, and for some reason they forget it, it's better not to do it. Just skip it, because you're going to be negatively because, in. Because yeah. you, 
if the inflammation is going to interact with the anionic diet, and you're going to have with two issues, you're going to have more metabolic problems, right? And you're not going to see any benefit on the vaccine. So when it's too short and you forget about the vaccine, don't try to catch up because it might backfire. Right. right. That that is something that I think we can correct it. Right. And remember, in any vaccine, right, you need to get one shot and then you get a booster shot. Mm-hmm. And the booster has a reason for that because the booster increases your immunity like a four. Mm-hmm. Right. So we need to count the same second shot. You do get immunity in the first dry off, but you will get higher concentration if you do the booster. But if for some reason you forgot, you know, you forget the booster shot, mm-hmm. don't do it when it comes up too close because it might backfire for the cow. Right, right. I think it's been well understood that the J5 and Scour Guard uh, works well with that transition cow. And so I'm glad that you use those particular vaccines because that those are so critical to the success of, of that transition cow um, and, and prevention of, of diarrhea in the calf. And just managing the system approach and understanding the parathyroid release is, is so fascinating. I think the dairy cow is just an amazing beast and her ability to uh, transfer these IgGs for success of the calf through the, through the colostrum. And, uh, and we as managers can help prevent her from having a more serious clinical event. And E. coli is a dangerous, a dangerous bug. It, it can really knock a cow down during that transition window. And it will be interesting to see a follow-up if you're looking at the overall disease, because once she gets E. coli, it seems like everything else just screws up. And so if you can have a successful transition and get her going through the, through the process, that uh, it's huge. It's so huge in her success. So it, it does, it does has a huge impact. And what we observe, you know, especially at the farm level, Regan, the most important group of cow perhaps is the prepartum group, right? Yes. Because, because that, that explains many, I mean, the fresh group is important, right? And, and, and both groups are important. But if I had to give one of the, you know, absolute priorities, the pre-fresh, right? Uh, and um, so I think this is type would allow us to see if we really want to do this, and we want to be on the top 5% best farm in the U.S. That's right. You have to work on the details. It matters. You have to work on the details. And, and you've equipped us with the information to better understand exactly what those details are around vaccinating your transition dairy cow. Thank you so much. It's been very informative. And, and thank you, listeners. I applaud you for taking time out of your day today to learn about how you can administer vaccinations more effectively and perhaps revolutionize that transition herd. We hope that this information will help you improve your vaccination procedures, ensure a more successful transition herd that hits the ground running. This has been the July edition of the Dairy Science Digest, which is a monthly podcast project designed to bring the Journal of Dairy Science straight to your ears. We highlight peer-reviewed research articles in press for the Journal of Dairy Science, because this is sound science to base your management decisions on and provided to you by your University of Missouri dairy team. So please be sure to like, share, and subscribe to get these future editions straight to your cell phone when they come out. So this is Reagan Blue with Dairy Science Digest, and I hope you have a great day.